Section 15 of Short Stories from Locomotive Engineer's Journal, Volume 52. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael A. Short Stories from Locomotive Engineer's Journal, Volume 52, by Various. The Owner's Unexpected Return by Pauline D. Edwards The Society for Psychical Research is doing some good work lately, said Gilbert to his friend Slade as they sat beside the open fire. I believe the time will come when it will show a scientific relation between mortality and immortality. I do not believe in ghosts, said John Slade emphatically. Daniel Gilbert drew his chair nearer to the crackling blaze. I never believed in ghosts, until last year, he said quietly. What happened last year? Slade's tone was skeptical. I saw a ghost. Where had you been dining? laughed Slade. I hadn't dined at all. I came down to the Elms quite unexpectedly. I wanted to look up some papers that I knew to be in the library. The house had been closed all summer, and at this time even the caretaker was away for a few days. My plan was to dine at the village inn, go up to the Elms, spend the evening searching for the papers, sleep in my old room, and take the first train to town after breakfast. My train was several hours late, and when we arrived in Elmville, the inn was shut up for the night. If you are acquainted with our village Boniface, you will understand that for neither love nor money nor old Lang Syne would he open his doors to a guest after midnight. So it meant a dinnerless tramp up to the house. It was nearly one o'clock when I entered the avenue, and I was surprised to find the iron gates of the drive wide open. That was against my orders. It was a dark night. The stars shone bright, and the young moon threw a thin silver veil of light in the open spaces. As I came in sight of the house, I stopped still in my tracks. You may not believe me, John, but my house was a blaze of light from basement to cupola, and from behind the lighted windows came the strains of an orchestra, while forms floated to and fro in swaying rhythm to the waltz melody. As I stood rooted to the spot, the church clock in the village struck once, and as if by magic the music ceased, and all motion stopped behind the thin curtains. An instant later, every light in the house died out, as if extinguished by some mighty breath. I ran up the steps and fitted my key in the great lock. It yielded, and the heavy door swung outward to my touch. I threw a ray of light about the great entrance hall and reached for the button to switch on the electric lights. The button clicked without response. Again and again I tried, but in vain. A search of the drawing-room and library revealed the same condition. The current was shut off and probably had been since the departure of the caretaker. I lighted the large oil lamp on the library table. It was an easy matter to dig out the documents I wanted and store them in my leather bag. As I set the bag on the floor, I saw lying on the Turkish rug a white rose, fresh and fragrant, as if just plucked. This was no earthly blossom, I decided, as I laid it before me on the table. And then I had another shock. For almost under my hand, and in the very spot on which I had placed my bag when entering the room, was a small lace handkerchief. Across one corner was embroidered in tiny letters a girl's name. Gilbert blew a cloud of smoke that obscured his face. John Slade leaned forward in his chair. And the name? The girl's name? he asked quickly. Viola. Just Viola, said Gilbert dreamily. That is not all of the story, said Slade impatiently. Go on, old man. 
No, that is not all. I turned to the mantelpiece and leaned my head against the high shelf, trying to solve the mystery of my house. For to my knowledge, no woman, save the caretaker and old black mammy, had darkened, or shall I say brightened, my doors for several years. When I turned back to the table, the handkerchief was gone. With hardly a thought as to whether I was seeking shadow or substance, I thrust the rose in my pocket, and snapping on my pocket electric, I hastened into the hall. There was a gleam of white in the distance, and I pursued it. It flicked around a corner and disappeared up a small spiral staircase that led to the second floor. When I reached the top of the stairs, the bit of white became a woman's graceful form, with some ethereal garment of filmy stuff floating behind her. And as I followed, I seemed to be walking among violets. Down the grand staircase she vanished, this time with little clicking heels on the polished floor. I held her steadily in my ray of light and was after her like a flash. We crossed the drawing room, and then she disappeared through the panel door that leads into the west gallery. You know that long glass enclosed gallery that my father used as a winter parlor? She flew down the length, and I hoped to catch her at the end, but at the door leading into the gardens she turned her face toward me for one instant, and by Jove, John, she was the loveliest girl I ever laid eyes upon, and you know I don't care for women. Just a glimpse of her beauty, and the door opened and closed sharply, leaving me alone in the west gallery. I was tired out by the exciting adventure of the night, and too wide awake to sleep, so I went back to the library, got my bag, put out the light, and left the house. I spent the night sitting on a bench in the railroad station, and it is needless to say that I took the first train to town. "'And is that all?' asked Slade after a little silence. "'Isn't it enough?' "'You didn't search the house, make any effort to discover whether the intruder was spook or human? Didn't you do anything?' "'Nary thing.' I went abroad the following week and at times forgot the incident. A few days ago it came back to me, and so I invited you down to spend this night with me at the Elms. "'Why this particular night?' demanded Slade suspiciously. "'Because it's the anniversary of my adventure with Viola,' replied Gilbert coolly. "'I want a witness to further demonstrations, you know.' John Slade sank back into the shadows of his chair and smoked thoughtfully. Once he burst into a reminiscent chuckle. I suspect you have lost your heart to this Viola, as you call her. Was she so lovely? She was perfect, said Gilbert, sincerely. Her hair was that dusky black that frames the face mistily, you know. Her eyes were almost golden, and her brows fine and black like her hair. But her coloring, her features, her form— Oh, I say, Slade, I can't get her face out of my mind. Slade lighted a fresh cigar. I must tell you about an incident of the same sort that happened to a friend of mine, he said solemnly, and it may serve to throw light on your own affair. Out with it, said Gilbert briefly. It's only ten o'clock now. You have till midnight, John. This man owned a grand old place in the country, but he was a bachelor and never looked at it. There was a young cousin of the man's, a girl who was a beauty and a toast. Never mind her name. She has married and changed it for another. This girl was up to all sorts of mischief and pranks and carried a lot of scatterbrained young folk with her in many a harmless escapade. She conceived the idea of giving a ball in the old mansion of her cousin. Now, I have not the slightest doubt that the man would have gladly consented to turn the house over for such a merrymaking had they asked him. But no, of course, half the fun lay in the clandestine proceedings. And so one night, when the moon was young and the aged caretaker off on leave— Several great automobiles rolled quietly up the long avenue, and the mischievous girl and her friends and their reluctant chaperones trooped through a side entrance and made their way to the great ballroom on the second floor. 
The room had been cleaned in some mysterious manner, and when the electric chandeliers were ablaze and the polished floor stretched forth an inviting surface, the small orchestra they had brought turned up, and the fun began. Several servants unpacked refreshments in an anteroom while the young people danced, and between dances wandered over the grand old house lighted from top to bottom by Laura's— Laura? shouted Gilbert, but Slade interrupted. Hold on there, Danny, I didn't mean to make a slip. The house was lighted up and the dancing was going on and everything was going along finely when suddenly a messenger appeared among them. The station agent from the depot, who had known of the merrymaking, came to say that the owner had arrived at the station and was on his way to the house. He had jumped on his wheel and sped with the message. They worked fast and without judgment. One bright soul cut the electric light wires and plunged the house in total darkness. Before a search could be made for candles and escape made, the front door was opened and the intruders heard footsteps below stairs. After a while, the library door opened and all was silent. By aid of matches and the station master's bicycle lantern, the party reached the ground floor and by stealth left the house. That was all part of the fun, don't you know? And then, just as they were going to leave, one of the girls discovered she had lost her pet handkerchief and was sure she had left it in the library. She recovered it, although she would not say how, and she was quite breathless when she climbed into the motor. And that is all. Daniel Gilbert arose to his full height and laid his pipe on the mantel. And that was Laura who got up the party and everything. I shall bless your wife all her days, John, if she will introduce me to my ghost girl, Viola. Viola who? Viola Blair. She happens to be visiting Laura now. I hardly think you'll find her in the West Gallery tonight, Dan. Gilbert pulled a timetable from his pocket and looked at his watch. "'She is quite free?' he asked abruptly. Slade yawned and stretched his long arms luxuriously. "'She was, er, until we always thought she had met her fate just a year ago tonight. She has never been quite the same since. I can't say any more. "'There's a train to town at 11.05. We'll take it. You and Laura owe me something, John.' "'We'll pay it with compound interest. That will be Viola,' said Slade, grasping his friend's outstretched hand. End of Section 15 The Owner's Unexpected Return By Pauline D. Edwards